Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Every week, I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables or small stories to teach kingdom lessons to his followers. And God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. Today, we are continuing in our Can You Relate series. Every day, we relate to others in various ways and on various levels, and the Bible has a lot to say about our interactions. So over these next several weeks, our goal is to celebrate the work that God is doing in and through relationships. We'll cover obvious topics like marriage, friendship, and parenting, but we'll also hear stories about singleness, co-working, and how to relate to those of different generations. It's our hope that as you listen to stories of how God is at work in others, that you'll see glimpses of yourself in those stories and that you too will be encouraged to love God by loving those he's placed around you. Today, we're launching into our second of three stories on marriage. We're joined by Will and Marisol Cassis, who are here to share with us how God has worked redemptively throughout their relationship to draw them to himself and into community with others. As they share honestly about their challenges and victories, we'll ultimately see how God has been faithful to them both individually and as a couple. Well, Marisol, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here and to continue our conversation about relationships, specifically marriage this summer. So glad to have you here at Pursuing Life. Good to be here. Thank yeah, you. thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Could you take a minute before we jump into the topic of marriage to just introduce yourselves? You could tell us a little bit about your family, about how long you've been at Calvary, where you're involved, and maybe how you like to spend your time. I'm Marisol. I'm originally from South Jersey. Okay. And I came here to Lancaster County to go to Millersville, and I got a math degree there, and I was teaching for a little while back in South Jersey, and we have two daughters, Naomi, who is five, and Rachel, who is two. Okay. They they keep us busy. Yeah. <laughs> and basically, my background is pretty interesting. I was adopted when I was three months old. Okay. And um, yeah, and so only child, and you know, I was raised in in South Jersey, and like I said, just lived in a pretty relatively normal household, and then came here and just kind of wanted to move back here, and we'll talk about it later as far as how we got to kind of stay in Lancaster County, but I serve with the first and third graders for Kids Church okay. and participate in Study and Share, and I just love Calvary. We've both been attending since 2015, Okay, so shortly after marriage. So about seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Will, what about you? Yeah. So my name is Will. We've been married, like Mayor said, for going on seven years now. I'm from the Philly suburbs, from, uh, from Norristown in Montgomery County. Didn't grow up as a Christian, came from a culturally Christian household of um, Palestinian immigrants wow. uh, who, yeah, who grew up Greek Orthodox, but but never really practiced their faith. It was more of a, a cultural identification sort of a thing in that over there, you're you're either Christian or Muslim, essentially. So right. they, they would strongly identify with the religion just to sort of identify themselves to others. Sure. So that was the house we grew up in. It wasn't in church 
growing up and by the time I was 17 or so was a professing atheist. But God did amazing things in my life and, and in our lives together. We met at Millersville at a mutual friend, somebody I grew up with actually from about the age of 12 on, who went to Millersville. So I followed him there after my sophomore year of college. And I was majoring in physics and math, so Mary and I actually met in ordinary differential equations for all wow. the math for all the math people out there. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds fascinating. <laughs> it was good, and um, yeah, we became friends, and then had some some really interesting times, and and God really. Um, showed himself as the ordainer of our relationship th throughout the whole process. I don't want to be too cryptic, but <laughs> but we got married, didn't we? So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. So between becoming friends and your dating relationship, what happened in between there? Like I said, I was I was an atheist uh, when I went to college and I was somebody who actively sought out opportunities to have discussions about God with people who did believe with bad intentions, mm -hmm. with intentions to ridicule and Marisol had grown up in the church. If you, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that now or later. Yeah, I just briefly. I I grew up going to a Methodist church with my mom, and my mom was very much involved, and I believe she had a, a relatively strong relationship with the Lord. Um, my dad came to faith later in his life. Okay, um, they both have passed actually. As a side note, so my background is kind of interesting because I I did have a lot of like upbringing there, but. Within the household, it was a little bit different. It wasn't necessarily a Christian home per sure. se. However, I did. I was definitely involved in the church, and I I committed to the Lord at, at a young age. So what Will will describe is I I definitely had like a foundation based on the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Mary was definitely proof of the word, and um, we would have conversations after studying for math tests, et cetera, et cetera. We would have question or uh, conversations rather about the Lord and about what she believed and about what I believed and about why I thought what she believed was so ridiculous. And uh, through the conversations, Mary just had such conviction about what she believed that I started getting frustrated mm -hmm. and started asking myself the questions about, well, do I really believe as strongly what I believe, the yeah. content of it, as what she does? So. It got to the point where I figured if I'm going to continue these conversations, I really have to know what she believes to know what I believe right. to prove her wrong, so to speak. So I drove over to Barnes & Noble one night. It was like right before closing. I mean, it must have been nine o'clock at night and I've bought a Bible and I got back to my town home that I shared with my college roommates and I opened it up and I started reading and I never closed it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. God, God really transformed me over the years. It took a while. Mm -hmm. You know, it took a while to profess faith in, in Christ, and then it took a while to mature yeah. as well. Carrying on with your question about from, from friendship to dating, I had always been attracted to Mara. You know, I thought she was an attractive person. Her personality was great. Our conversations were great. Our friendship was great. And I was always very interested in Mara. And it, it, got, it got to the point where, you know, I wanted to pursue a relationship. And in wisdom, Marisol, when she emotionally maybe felt to be in a similar way in wisdom. She recognized that we weren't equally yoked. Right. And she didn't allow that to go any further. Mm -hmm. And then in, I'd like to think in wisdom and discernment in my own heart and mind, I wasn't rushing my putting my trust in the Lord either. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we got to a point where we were sort of at a stalemate mm -hmm. in essence where I didn't want to fake what I believed mm -hmm. to get the girl yeah. and she wouldn't be 
unequally yoked with somebody who wasn't a believer. So once God did that work in both of us, it, well, and, and, and in my heart, we ended up dating 2013 or so we started dating. And the other thing I'd like to mention too is that around the time that we were pursuing one another or a dating relationship, I needed to also take some steps back emotionally because a year or so before we dated, my mom passed away. Oh, wow. So, you know, there was just a lot of hesitation just because with such a traumatic event, I didn't want to have a foundation that would maybe crumble in a relationship or I wanted to make sure I wasn't clinging to something that was, I guess, fleeting in, in the sense that it wasn't the Lord first. So I had a lot of things to kind of figure out in my heart and between God, in addition to obviously, you know, just our spiritual paths and, and what that would look like, because we definitely have loved each other for a while. And so I wanted to take that very seriously. We both did. So it was very difficult, but Mm -hmm. In with wisdom and and some discernment, we had to kind of decide to do that to wait a little bit. Yeah. Was it difficult to have that strong conviction that you weren't going to, we often call it missionary dating, like you weren't going to date somebody who didn't believe what you believed, but also like knowing how you felt about him. And, and also, at what point did you find out that he had gone out and bought a Bible? <laughs> I, oh, that's such a good question. Well, the first to answer your first question, I definitely, because of a past relationship that was ungodly mm-hmm. and just totally not surrendered to the Lord, I didn't want to fail the Lord in that, that way again. Right nor William, like I did not want to go that route, of course. So I I definitely wanted to obey the Lord. I wanted to do it right this time to glorify him. So although, you know, obviously there's desire there to just, let's just go for it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted that and Will wanted that. But at the same time, I just knew that there was destruction because there was destruction in the last relationship. And so I just remember praying and you know, obviously I still felt like, well, I just, I want to see him. And I just prayed for just kind of patience. And then I, you know, if there were times where I questioned, Lord, is, is this the relationship that you would like for me and for Will and, and for us as far as a possible marriage or something like that? Just Lord, like search my heart. And, and if something isn't right, then let it not be. So in regards to the other question, I think, I think I remember talking on the phone with Will about how he started reading the Bible. And I think because I was so excited deep down, I, I started asking him questions like, so what do you believe? And I don't know exactly the words, but I remember thinking like, okay, this is it. He's he's there. And and I remember <laughs> thinking like, this is great. We can kind of keep going. And yeah. um, it was actually bittersweet for him to say, well, Mayor, I'm not going to rush this journey. And I thought, oh, that's great. I want to be with you, but also I want you to know the Lord. So um, it was definitely something that was reassuring. And I think it just proven that the Lord is was chasing after him and Will was doing the same back. So yeah, you know, what's really amazing too, is like you, you knew pretty quickly because I told you very quickly. And, and I think I told you with the intent of, of like, I'm coming, like I'm, I'm coming well equipped this time. <laughs> but there wasn't even a period once I started reading where I felt, hostile to what was in the word or, yeah. or I felt, you know, this doesn't make any sense. I'm going to mayor with this and saying, you know, this is what your faith is built on. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's not true, et cetera. No, my heart was very soft. 
Mm. Pretty pretty instantly, which glory be to God for that because Amen. it could have definitely gone another way because my intent, my heart was for it to go a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't a question about marriage, but do you remember, like, was there a point in your reading through the Bible where it like clicked and a light bulb went on? What finally kind of like led you to the point where you were like, I believe this? Ooh, that's a good one. So I started in the Gospels. Okay. And like I said, my heart was just very soft from the start, but it, it still took a while. I mean, there was a lot that I had convinced myself about the world, and there was a lot that I had convinced myself about Jesus yeah. and about Christians. And to undo that took some time. Mm-hmm. Now, I do remember lying in bed one day, and I, and, and I don't put a whole lot of stake in feelings sure. <laughs> all the time, not emotional feelings, but spiritual feelings, mm-hmm. because I think our hearts can deceive us, right? Mm-hmm. However, I do distinctly remember lying in bed one day, and I'll try not to cry as I tell you this, but <laughs> I probably will. It's okay if you do. Yeah. And I just remember praying, and, and I, I said to God, if you're real, I need to know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I felt it. And, uh, you know, without without making too much out of that, or may, maybe I'm Maybe I'm just being shy about it. Maybe there is a lot to make about it, but it, it was actually kind of in, in those moments, just being more knowledgeable about what's actually in scripture, not what I think I believe and, and praying for the first time really ever in my life, a genuine mm-hmm. prayer to the Lord. That was really the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Yes. So once you took that step and then you said eventually you guys started dating, what did growth look like? For you personally, and then also for you together as you started taking that step forward. I would kind of describe us as on fire for the Lord mm-hmm. early on in our dating yeah. relationship. We were attending a church out in Delaware County, a Calvary Chapel, that the demographics were similar to Calvary Church. Okay. There were a lot of folks who were couples who were our age, but there were also, you know, some some older couples that we could, you know, have conversations, relationship conversations and things about. We served, uh, we went on mission trips, we served the, the lower income community in Philadelphia. We did all these things. We, we were reading our Bibles. We had no, you know, no obligations with kids and things like that. And we were, we were going for it, which sounds great, but I found that when things, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when things really got real, come marriage and things like that, I felt immature. I felt ill-equipped. Mm-hmm. I felt all those things, but it was a time, it was a spiritual high, so to speak. And it was a time where we were on fire for the Lord. I would mm-hmm. describe it that way. And for me personally, like I, I was just in praise because I had mentioned that the relationship before was just, just not dedicated mm-hmm. to the Lord. It just definitely wasn't. So I was just so content and happy with, you know, the simple things and going to service together, but also in a way that was like honoring the Lord and, you know, starting to really invest in a future. And, mm-hmm. you know, then we, we had premarital counseling at this church that we attended and, okay. and a pastor from there did officiate our wedding. Okay. And, and so we were soaking in just everything that that church and then the Bible had to offer for us, obviously. So it was, it was just a really great experience and, we really did enjoy our, our dating time. It was it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. As we've talked through all of the different relationships, the topic of intentionality has come up over and over again. So as you were dating, how were you intentional with one another? And what is something that you think you did really well 
in your dating relationship? You know, I think we had a lot of, I I think because of my past, I had a lot of conversations with Will, just honest conversations. And that could have been just things about, you know, how do you see our family life or just talking with each other about like our childhood, just really getting into those kinds of things. And, and through marriage that actually resurfaced even more, as you can imagine. But I think that we're pretty intentional with just simply getting to know each other beyond just having fun and really trying to grow spiritually with one another. And yeah, just being able to, to have a desire to glorify God was something that we both sought. Yeah, I would say I would definitely agree with that. And I think just kind of the way that our relationship came to be, like we really saw God in it mm-hmm. and how it was formed. And so the conversations that we had, I mean, at least for me, I, I saw this resulting in marriage mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And, and I don't know if that's a naive thing to say or what, but I did. And and I think you thought the same thing because mm-hmm. we started having marriage conversations pretty early. Right. And my wife is awesome. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's really straightforward, which I appreciate because I am too. So, you know, there's no conversation that's too uncomfortable to be had for the benefit of us individually, but also us together. So we did, we, we hashed out a lot of things. We hashed out past relationships. We hashed out sexual sin. We've hashed out, you know, things like that, that were really uncomfortable to do at that time, Mm -hmm. but were really necessary to know that we were marrying the person who we thought we were marrying. Yeah. 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 And how long did you date before you got engaged? It was... And a half to two years, I thought. Yeah, a year and a half. Okay. Year and a half. Okay. We actually got engaged. So we're both math people. We got engaged <laughs> on Pi Day, but it was like the ultimate Pi Day. It was oh. so like March 14th, 314 is, is Pi Day. Uh-huh. But we got engaged on 31415. Yes. <laughs> so March 14th, 2015. That yeah. seems very fitting for you. <laughs> <laughs> was it intentional? Not really. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, I remember th- looking back and thinking, I wonder if you did that on purpose. No, because it- <laughs> no, I I was going to propose to you like a, a week or two prior. Right. But the plans didn't come together. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then once you transitioned into marriage, so we're skipping ahead a little bit. Sure. But was marriage what you expected it to be? Not for me. Okay. Can you explain that a little sure. bit? Sure. So just a a brief look into my childhood, I mentioned that I grew up going to church, not necessarily in a Christian home, as you would maybe think about. So for the first part of my life, so maybe for the first like 11 to 12 years, my dad was an alcoholic and he was pretty abusive towards my mom. And my mom just clung to her faith and was really involved in church. And she had a community at church, but not necessarily in a way that would um, come alongside and she was comfortable kind of giving that part of her life to. So for example, she rarely talked about the household mm-hmm. and, and what was going on there, to my knowledge. And I say all of that because I remember when my father did stop drinking and it was, you know, a relatively normal upbringing from that point on, like into my teen years and things. I remember thinking, you know, when I got into like my first relationship or even finally the one with, with Will, I thought like, this is, this is going to be great because we're like totally different and <laughs> we're both Christians and we're going to go to church every Sunday and we're going to go to an adult Bible study and do all these great things and everything's going to just be packaged into a bow. And that was not 
that was not what happened. So I, I definitely had an idealistic mindset of what marriage would be. I knew that it would be great. And I knew that just a indicator of how he would be there for me was definitely evident. We got engaged and then married rather quickly. Okay. And it was mainly because of we, we lived two hours away because I was still working in New Jersey and he was here in the Lancaster County area. And honestly, we were we were ready and we didn't want to have the pressures of sexual sin. And yeah. and it really was a struggle for us. And we prayed about it a lot. And that's not the only reason, obviously, but sure. we, we were ready. And um, there was some pushback there. And I remember at this one family event on Will's side, you know, I felt a little alone in that because I, I didn't have my parents around to kind of back me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we were at a family event and there was some disappointment as far as not necessarily the marriage taking place, but just how soon it was. I think it was just a little, people were maybe slightly blindsided and okay. it wasn't that, you know, they didn't care for me or care for Will. It was just a little quick. And so I remember sitting in a car and Will was just very supportive and made me feel not alone. And I remember thinking like, if this is certainly how things will be now, I can't imagine how it'll be in marriage. And I was very encouraged by that. So going into it, I definitely knew, and that was always, this has always been true, that Will has always been a, a very firm support system for me. But as far as the other things, like kind of how things would work out nicely, I was definitely proven wrong <laughs> in the yeah. first couple of years of marriage. Yeah. For me, as far as uh, it's not what I expected. Okay. Growing up, so for one, Mary kind of chuckles at this. And, and I believe this is a difference between men and women in that I didn't really notice my parents' marriage. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I did not look at their marriage as a kid growing up mm -hmm. as an example of what my marriage would be like. Okay. And maybe others are different. For me, though, it was this, you know, this is my mother and this is my father and, and they're still together. And, you know, they didn't fight at home and they were always on the same page. I grew up in a really stable household yeah. and I'm grateful to God for that. And I don't know that I had a ton of expectations going into it. However, my, you know, my family's very traditional. They, they immigrated to this country and I think like Chicago would be a good, <laughs> good place for them to settle <laughs> down, but, but they are very traditional in that the gender roles are established. And my mom stayed home. She never worked. Okay. She took care of us. My dad, he worked long hours and he was is still and was very loving growing up. I would come home from school and a hug and a kiss, and but he wasn't necessarily asking about my day all the time and involved, et cetera, et cetera. That was my mom's job. And my, you know, my mom was the emotional caretaker and she was cooking dinner and cleaning and doing all of these things. And maybe this foreshadows parenting a little bit more than marriage, but I, I kind of went into it with those established roles for hey, we don't even need to talk about it. This is the way it's going to be because mm -hmm. this is the only thing I've ever known. How could it be anything else? So as far as expectations go, yeah, definitely not what I expected. <laughs> and uh, and I never really saw my dad having to support my mom emotionally, we'll say. Mm -hmm. And that's probably just because maybe kids just don't see that as much. And but But I never really thought about it as much either. So being that emotional support system especially, you know, with some of the tragedy that Mare has gone through in her life. I I essentially resolved like mentally that I'm never going to let Mare be sad again. She's been sad too much in her life. Mm -hmm. I know. And but what an unrealistic expectation that right. is. Mm -hmm. And that caused a lot of problems, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But mm -hmm. yeah, so, so definitely not what we expected. Yeah. Well, that was my next question is what challenges did it create for you coming into marriage with such different expectations? 
from each other, but then also like from what it actually turned out to be. I mean, like I said, I was very uh, immature spiritually, even when we got married. To allude to Mary's point, we got engaged in March of 2015 and married in August okay. of 2015. Mare was pregnant in April of the next year. Wow. So we didn't really afford ourselves much time at all yeah. to work through these things before kids were born. Right. <laughs> so I think we thought, let's just do it. Let's do it all. Like, yeah, <laughs> we like, were just so in love that we thought it was, yeah, let's, nothing's impossible. That's what we thought. <laughs> like, let's start, yeah, let's get the show on the road and start the family and, and do the whole thing. But we, what it did was kind of push those issues down a, a few rungs because now suddenly we have to get ready for the baby and now the baby's right. born and we have to deal. Well, what comes bubbling up in the midst of all the trials are those issues. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we definitely had our, our fair share of them. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the conflict and expectation, me being immature spiritually, I kind of relied on the things that my old self would do uh. when we would be facing an issue. And I wasn't the spiritual leader of the household, okay. right? I was the spiritually immature little boy who would run away mm. and and do the things that I would, that I used to do to cope with the issues that we're facing. And pretty quickly, we got to the point where we were kind of unrecognizable, mm -hmm. I would think, mm -hmm. in that when Naomi was born, and it's just such a grind, like the first year especially is just such a grind. We were kind of at each other's throats, and I think she expected me to be different. She expected mm -hmm. me to be the spiritual leader, to be uh, somebody who's leading her and the whole family to Christ through the difficult time, and instead I was finding excuses to do something else, go and fix something or whatever you know crutch I had to cope with like those issues. That's sure. that's where I ran away to. So yeah, and. I think too, um, because everything happened quickly and they were all blessings in that quick season, mm -hmm. I didn't actually realize this is kind of going along with the roles in the marriage, but I didn't realize that I actually had a little bit of a loss of my teaching life and my teaching mm -hmm. career. And so yeah. I actually, you know, I, I stay home and, you know, I began staying home with our oldest Naomi. So she was a baby and we didn't have any family around and I just felt very isolated. Like, you know, most moms kind of will mention at least in the first months or, you know, first year or two. And I remember it just taking a long time to surrender my selfishness and yeah. uh, my bitterness and resentment towards Will. So, you know, there's a lot behind the scenes going on. I I had all of those feelings. And so then obviously when we were in conflict, they just came to the surface even more. And with a little one, it was it was definitely a struggle because, you know, they're just very needy. Right. Um, and and the other thing spiritually, too, we just simply weren't on the same page. And, and a lot of some of it actually was circumstance. Will worked various shifts. He worked at Three Mile Island. So sometimes okay. he would be working three nights in a row and then recovering from that. A couple of days later, he would work four days in a row. And it was just a constant keeping track of when can I kind of talk to him? And, right. you know, <laughs> jokingly, he'll say like when he was getting back into the normalcy from night shift, 
I would just want to be in the isolated one and being ready to talk to any adult and who wasn't, you know, this high, I would just be ready to, what are we going to do this weekend? And so-and-so called and Naomi did this and he would just be in another world, just, just physically. So mm-hmm. even with just those daily grinds that, that we were describing, it was difficult when we didn't have the foundation as a couple to kind of handle conflict in a godly way and also handle maybe conflict between us and the Lord individually. Right. So when all of those kinds of things came up, it was just just very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you resolve that conflict? And were you able to sort of relay that foundation at any point? So there's a lot of prayer, honestly. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that is very much the honest question. I, I remember um, I told Willis a few nights ago thinking, Lord, I, I want out. I, I can't do it. And Lord, you can't, you can't leave me. I can't, I can't do this by myself. And it was a cry to the Lord that I knew deep down, I wasn't hoping for a breakup. I wasn't hoping for divorce, but I really just felt powerless. Mm. So I remember just praying in our laundry room after like the subtle conflict with Will and Naomi was maybe eating her dinner. And I just, I just had to close the door and just cry a little bit. But in a, in a way that was just, Lord, I really, really need you. And I am just willing and and open. So I just kept praying. And one of the things that was um, noticeable in our lives is that the sense of community was lacking um, Mm. of believers. We had some neighbors in in a townhouse when we first started living together as a married couple. And they were unbelievers. Not that, you know, the relationship wasn't great. It was a really nice friendship. But also with his work schedule, it was just kind of hard to kind of get in sync with each other. So I just prayed, Lord, I ask that you will provide for William just one man that he can connect with, feel comfortable with, joke around with, and just learn how to love you with and do life with, Lord God. And and I asked, I asked for that kind of thinking, I'm a little ashamed to say, kind of thinking like, I don't know if this is going to matter. And mm-hmm. I remember feeling a little defeated, but to be honest, at some point within that year or Christmas time, this woman came up and she was delivering cookies and her two kids were in a wagon and and I had seen him a little bit before. This was in a in a house, our first house, our first neighborhood as as a family. And we quickly said bye and I said thank you. And then they had a summer block party at their house and we were in, invited to it. And it was kind of a last minute decision to go. And I kind of dragged Will there. (laughs) And I don't know if I even knew that they were believers, but I remember seeing a few things on their kitchen wall and and like calendar, just with scripture, um, things like that. And after talking with them a little bit more, they they were believers and and those friends are still our are very, very good friends. They're today. watching our kids They're right now. They're watching our kids wow. today. And and Will meets with this man for breakfast two times a month, just just sharing yeah. and pouring into each other's lives and and I remember at some point, obviously these things take time. They're not overnight. And there's a lot of trust that goes with that because I remember thinking like, I haven't yet to get to really know the wife because the kids are running around and we're kind of distracted. But I was very thankful that Will was connecting with the husband a lot. Mm -hmm. And I saw God's sovereignty and I saw his faithfulness in it. And I was just so thankful. And I remember getting a little impatient about like, when's this friendship going to bud? And it has in its own way. And I, and I love that. And our kids get along so well. And, and it's gone past, you know, the surface type of friendship as well. So, so to answer your question, there's a lot of prayer and a lot of steps of obedience. I, Mm -hmm. 
you know, I think that I could have made a choice not to pray. And I've definitely resisted that temptation. There's been times where I, in the past, I did not want to pray. Like, Lord, why, why should I do that? Or he acted so unjustly to me, or um, I could have made a thousand excuses, or I could have ranted on to a girlfriend or something like that. It did take a lot of trust and obedience. And the Lord definitely worked on my heart to lay that all down for his glory. Wow. That was spot on. And so from my perspective, there's another thing God did in the midst of all that, that was very important. I began having panic attacks in February of 2018, shortly after I tragically lost a cousin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a, an event that kind of led to that those panic attacks, but it was related actually to work, the event. And I, I felt like I couldn't go to work without ha- having like physical manifestations of anxiety. Like I, wow. it was, it was awful. And, um, God just, I mean, I was broken down to nothing. I called mayor one day and I said, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to keep working mm-hmm. because I, I can't stand to be here without having these, these awful feelings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in praying to the Lord for just rescue and relief from that, he made very clear what I needed to do for our relationship to heal from some of the things that were going on. And a lot of it was rooted in like childhood trauma. So we had these conversations and they were very difficult. And like I said, I was broken down to nothing, Mm -hmm. which was necessary. But because God doesn't leave us in those places, Mm -hmm. he built me back up in community, Mm -hmm. which was just like so crucial. So it started with the answer to prayer that Mary just referenced in a friend. And we we began seeing each other and and talking about the Lord. He absolutely loves the Lord and it's Mm -hmm. just infectious. And then it became the men's Bible study Mm -hmm. at Calvary Mm -hmm. and getting to know guys through that. And we fast forward a few years and I'm constantly in awe of the community that we have in the church, mm-hmm. yeah. of believers who are in the same situation in life as we are, mm-hmm. and those who've gone through the same situations, and the discipleship that happens here, mm-hmm. and just the opportunity to get to know brothers and sisters in Christ who genuinely love you, mm-hmm. who will walk with you through these situations. Mm-hmm. So on my own, I got to the point where I was broken down to nothing, mm-hmm. but certainly not alone was I rebuilt mm-hmm. and our, our marriage was rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we just look back in awe now because we've got this wonderful community who has helped us in, in immeasurable ways mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's been amazing. Yeah. And your answer to prayer was literally down the street. Right down yeah. the street. <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. And, and outside of that, how do you cultivate community within your marriage and within your family too? Where do you find that? Certainly in the church, mm-hmm. getting involved. Mm-hmm. So like I said, so ABF, uh, we're in his hands. We didn't walk into his hands with a ton of friends. Okay, no. I walked into men's Bible study with no <laughs> friends. Right. You walked into study and share right. the very first time with no friends, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's just, it's so on brand for the Lord yeah. <laughs> that, that Mayor, Mayor prayed for one person for me and God answered that prayer. And then he said, but look, I have more for you mm-hmm. yeah. and not just for me, but for Mare as well. Mm-hmm. And, for our children, uh, for our family. And for our children yeah. and our family. And uh, I mean, uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it's been astonishing, but it's been in taking those steps to get involved in church. That's how it's all come about. 
and serving in the church, we've met so many people who we love and who love us. And yeah. And it's taken a lot of humility as well, because obviously to really cultivate deep, impactful and meaningful relationships, you do have to let your guard down. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think that that comes with a lot of surrender mm-hmm. and, and we def- definitely have done that. And it also just takes simple things like inviting a family over mm-hmm. or accepting an invitation, even if it's a new family, you don't, you know, you just kind of know a person and then you hit it off and it, it, it takes a while to develop those friendships, but it really is amazing to see that God truly cherishes those. And it has been a huge testimony for me just in seeing how much he cares about the church, the body of Christ. It's mm-hmm. it's a true example. And in our lives alone, I'm sure there's thousands of stories that people can share, but it's it's very amazing to see God's faithfulness in it. And, and it occurs to me too that you both stepped into these atmospheres knowing nobody. You were even hesitant to even go to this block party. <laughs> and yet taking those steps, even though there was probably some fear, there was probably a little bit of like, oh, I don't really want to do this. But taking those steps of obedience anyway is what led to all of this community that's around you. So what a testimony of if there's somebody out there who's thinking, I want to take that step, but I'm just not sure, like, just do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just go. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. go. God, God is sovereign over all of this. I mean, listen, we've met people in the church who we haven't hit it off with. Right, right. Right. We've spent time with others who, I mean, we love them, but God will provide that community mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's going to be some steps of obedience you have to take. Mm-hmm. So the reason that we almost didn't go to that block party mm-hmm. was because I was supposed to work that night. Okay. I didn't work that night because <laughs> I was having panic attacks. Oh my So gosh. I called off <gasps> and Mayor said, well, you're not working tonight and that block party's going on. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm laying on the couch, leave me alone. I'm going through one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life. Right. But we went anyway. So God worked in even some of the hardest moments. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty in sharing that. Oh, I know yeah. that's not always easy. <laughs> no. I'm an open book. <laughs> what have you learned about God through marriage? Just how gracious he is. We can't ever forget that this marriage is under his sovereignty and he has trusted me with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's so totally shocking <laughs> to me, but you know, it, it's also a really important thing. But if he's trusted me with her and her with me, then he's not going to leave us in this place mm-hmm. by ourselves, yeah. right? He's not going to leave us alone in this. And and I think, you know, I think it's important just to make him a part of this continually through prayer, mm-hmm. through reading together. We're not always perfect, right? Like life comes at you fast. And, mm-hmm. and with kids, there's so many distractions to be had and things. But just that intentionality about recognizing that this is from him mm-hmm. f- and for him mm-hmm. and honoring him by living this married life out together for him. And I've just learned an immense amount of compassion because of all of the compassion that the Lord has just poured out on me. And as I look back on my life through my adoption, through my childhood, through my parents, though they have passed, just knowing the Lord at, either at some point in their lives or towards the end of their lives mm-hmm. and, and just carry me through the storms of, of those trials and just some like other things that he's carried me through, just seeing the compassion that he's had on me through my sin through my weaknesses yeah. and just having 
the heart to uh, show compassion on my husband, on my children, and specifically when it comes to Will, that to just love him fully in the way that, you know, on a, on a quick tangent, I kind of idolized Will in the sense that because my parents had passed, I kind of, I, I thought, you know, he would be and our marriage would be the solution to my grief, to my heartache and things like that. But that was that was not helping him at all because sure. he is a human mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he is flawed and I am flawed. So and and that is obviously idol- idolatry and it, it was not glorifying the Lord. But at, at some point with all of what we just described to the challenges early on in our marriage, you know, I, I was broken down in that, too so that I could see and that the Lord can reveal to me, I am your everything and mm. I am your rock and I will restore that heartache. And and yes, it will probably be mostly be through will, through through other various things and through the community that I provided, but but I like I am. And so I I have really just been taught the compassion and the the just great faithfulness of the Lord through mm. through our short but very important seven years. Can I jump on that? Yeah, absolutely. So what she just said about like idolizing me, mm-hmm. I told you earlier, Monica, that I, I resolved because of the tragedy that Marisol has been through in her life with both of her parents passing by age 22. I lived our marriage out in the early stages. Mm-hmm. Like I won't let her be sad mm-hmm. because she's already been sad enough for her whole life, essentially. Right. And I put her on this, this pedestal where when she would get upset, it, it suddenly became not compassion for her sadness, but it became frustration that how could you be mad at something so silly, mm. right? How could you be so frustrated about something that's, <laughs> that I, I just don't agree with you on this? And it led to frustration. But outside of the each individual thing, the, the issue really was that I put her on a, a pedestal and a platform that only belongs to God. Mm-hmm. I elevated yeah. her to the place of God yeah. early in our marriage. And and I say early, but I'm only just learning this very, <laughs> sure. very recently, right? Yeah. So I don't want to make it sound like, you know, we're, we're only seven years, we're going on seven years, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not very far into this at all, but there, there's so much to learn mm-hmm. in every stage of it. Absolutely. Always learning, always growing. Yep. We've talked a lot about different seasons throughout this series. And so one of my questions sort of based on that is what is something that you want your unmarried friends to know? Well, I think that, and, and I have to admit, I did listen to the, the singleness podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I really resonated with, and I share the views that we are as believers, we are all the same because we share in these burdens of life, whether it's struggling with specific sins or past sins or just simply the the trials that that we'll have on on this earth that the Lord has said that would happen but also that it doesn't just stop when it's you know you're at the altar and you're saying I do right and like I mentioned before I kind of thought that's what would happen mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know I'm not quite sure how many people actually believe that I think I don't know I was really fooled but but just in that as far as married or unmarried, that community definitely is important and that as believers in Christ and we are in the church as a community, that sharing each other's burdens is really what we're called to do, whether that looks like um, the season of singleness or, or being married or engaged or dating, that it's just really important to 
acknowledge all of those seasons and just encourage one another in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I think a lot of times we can get caught up in the words that we say in communicating that somehow in the church singleness is wrong. Mm -hmm. And it might not be a direct thing that we say, but I think indirectly it's either, you know, there's certainly, I, I don't get a sense of blame ever, sure. but that there's more to come for you or right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think, and I know that all things are under the umbrella of God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. My marriage with Marisol and that single person's singleness mm -hmm. and our marriage is not to be worshiped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. God is to be worshiped, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And that worship can happen in singleness. That worship can happen in marriage. And it's just important that it happens because he is worthy of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No matter, you know, not to get to a point where the, it gets too off the rails here, but no matter what happens to us, mm -hmm. right, to either of us, this marriage, God forbid it fall apart or God forbid you know, whatever it may be, or, or if, he, if he takes one of us home, et cetera, et cetera, he is still worthy of praise. Mm -hmm. So he's worthy of praise for that single person should they get married. Mm -hmm. He's worthy of praise for that single person should they never get married. Yeah. So. Yeah. My last question for you is how are you seeing God's faithfulness in your marriage right now as you're pursuing life in Christ individually and together? You know, I, when we've talked about, you know, discussing our marriage and things like that, it was... It was a little bittersweet because I mentioned how, you know, in the first two or three years, I'm not really sure where when it was, but I I was ready to kind of just wallow in giving up and in my like misery and this is just going to be it. Yeah. <laughs> and like this is it. Um, but what I will say is I I have seen God just work on our hearts individually and and that included community. So I've had women pour into my life that I can confide in. And they might not even realize that they had an influence on me, whether it was being a mom, a wife, or, um, you know, a sister in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen that work in our marriage, that just wonderful impression they've had on me has really just given life to it. And it's just a practical thing is we went on a marriage retreat at Sandy Cove this past February, okay. and it was just a lot of fun. And under different circumstances it, for childcare, for just COVID, <laughs> it just never happened. And we finally got to do it. And it was a lot of fun. It it was a, a lot of learning. And yeah. it was another revelation of how God really takes marriage seriously. And, and he cares about it. He has provided a lot for this and he's ordained it. Mm -hmm. And I am just so excited to see what the Lord has for our family, for generations. And a quick thing too is, I think some of the weight of our burdens that Will and I shared, this might be getting into parenthood a little bit, but sure. we kind of felt pressure because we both kind of came from, I'll just say non-Christian homes. And I've kind of explained that. We kind of felt like, okay, we need to kind of just hit the ground running. And this is for Naomi, for Rachel to just be raised by godly parents. And we, we did, we like, I idealized it a little bit. And it just helped to see that, God is in it with us and it's not all about what we are going to do but just to just to feel his presence yeah. through our marriage and our our parenthood has just has just been so evident and just all the glory to him for it. Yeah, he's so God won't ask us to do something before he tells us what he's already done. That premise, right? Mm -hmm. And him putting us together in marriage way before it ever looked pretty. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it continued to not look pretty for a couple of years, but him starting that, that work and like I mentioned before, not leaving us in it. He doesn't make mistakes, but not forsaking us because of our iniquity, our falling short in this marriage. And, you know, that sounds pretty heavy, but you know what I mean. And uh, he hasn't left us in it. And quite the contrary, he has done a great work in us individually and a great work in us together. And uh, yeah, he, he's his his handprints, fingerprints are mm-hmm. continue to be all, all over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing those fingerprints with us sure. <laughs> <laughs> and for allowing us to celebrate the work that he's done in your marriage and for just your honesty in sharing your story so that others can be encouraged as well mm-hmm. and maybe see a piece of themselves in your story too and be reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness in that. So thank you awesome. so much yes. for doing this thank today. You. Thanks. Will and Marisol's story is such an example to us of what it means to live in pursuit of Christ, even in our relationships. As Marisol said, even in moments where we feel like throwing up our hands and throwing in the towel, an obedient step of prayer and inviting the Lord into our struggles and into our relationships allows us to recognize his faithfulness in unexpected ways. I hope that their story has encouraged you as you relate to others around you. It's our desire as a church to continue to tell and hear stories that celebrate God's work, and we want to hear your story. If you have a story that you feel the Lord is prompting you to share, you can fill out our story form at calvarychurch.org slash share a story. We would love to celebrate the work that God is doing in and around you. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Pursuing Life podcast so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. We'll meet you back here next Monday, but until then, have a great week.